Welcome to the Ravensvale Coven. The Coven features short, independent stories with themes ranging from dark horror and fantasy to any other disturbing fiction. The Coven contains stories written outside the ongoing storyline of the Ravensvale universe. The stories are submitted by listeners, authors, and storytellers and are carefully curated by the staff of Ravensvale. To learn about our guidelines for submitting your story for consideration, go to www.ravensvale.com and click on the submission tab on the menu bar. The Ravensvale Coven is part of our dark fantasy horror anthology podcast and may contain explicit language or thematic elements not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So my story this evening is based on an Appalachian urban legend that I was told by my grandfather when I was about eight years old. To set the scene, when I was born, we lived just down the road from my mamo and papa Faults on Fugit Street in a small town called Taswell, about 50 miles north of where we are now. My papa Earl Ray Faults was a burly construction worker during the week and an avid storyteller any chance he could get someone to listen to him. His friends on the job site nicknamed him Rascal because he was always playing practical jokes on them or telling them one of his stories. Most of the guys were like his son, so often when I would get to go to work with him, he would spend most of the lunch hour weaving some story he had heard or made up. So you can probably guess what kind of fatherly spirit he had. I was his biggest fan. In fact, I would sneak off every day about 4.30 so I could be at the house when Papa got home. I'd be waiting on the old brick-red concrete porch just so he couldn't get by me. Mama, Stacia May England Faults, would be in the kitchen cooking dinner, and if I was lucky, I'd get to eat with them before my mom missed me and would make me go home because I was bothering them too much. I'm reasonably sure I could have lived there 24-7 and neither would have minded. I think they loved me a little differently than they did my other cousins because my dad had grown up an orphan at the end of the Great Depression and Mamma and Papa were the only grandparents I had. Plus, I think they knew I was going to grow up a little different. When I get fully into reminiscing about those two, I often think about the taste and smell of a big old piece of Mamaw's buttery cornbread, the feeling of complete security and unconditional love they both heaped on me. Even at eight, I knew my Mamaw would sneak and call my mom and tell her not to worry about me. I would be on the porch listening to one of Papo's tall tales. Okay, before I go entirely down the proverbial rabbit hole, I'll abbreviate this walk down memory lane by saying that my papa greatly influenced my love for storytelling and horror. The stories I begged him to tell me over and over were always the scary ones. I would beg to spend the night, and more often than not, I'd get my way. Mamma would pop a big old bowl of popcorn. Papa would put on an old black and white rerun of The Twilight Zone or Rod Sterling's Night Gallery on the television. I'd sit snuggled between them on the couch, snug as a bug in a rug. Papa would fall asleep, and Mama would play with my hair until it was time to go to bed. They'd let me stay up way past my bedtime, so, you know, I thought they were the coolest people alive. (laughs) 
Tonight's story is taken from my absolute favorite Earl Ray Fultz tale of all times. I have, of course, embellished it and made it my own, but it's my hope that this would make my papa proud. The Hook, Narrow Escape On the exhausting drive from Los Angeles, California to Knoxville, Tennessee, Jacob was almost incapacitated, feeling so depressed and angry that he barely spoke a complete sentence to his mom, Raina, the whole trip. Jacob Donovan was a tall, muscular, handsome young man with dirty blonde hair and piercing slate gray eyes. He was well-mannered, but undoubtedly mischievous. Jacob's stepdad, Marty Donovan, had gotten a promotion and a nice new office. The only problem was that the new office was halfway across the country in Hicksville, Tennessee, and Jacob was pissed that he had to leave his entire life behind. But at the ripe old age of 16, he didn't have much to say in the matter. Jacob couldn't remember his biological father. He had been murdered in West Adams when Jacob was 18 months old in a drug deal gone bad. Jacob had no memory of him. Raina had married Marty two years later, and, well, Marty was the only dad Jacob had ever known. Marty and Jacob had an excellent relationship. Marty had even adopted Jacob. As they pulled off the interstate, taking exit 387 onto 17th Street, Jacob got his first real glance at the city of Knoxville. They drove down 17th Street and made a right turn onto Cumberland Drive. A couple of minutes later, they turned left onto Scenic Drive and then turned right into the driveway of a large, old house that looked like it had recently been renovated. As Jacob looked at his new home at 630 Scenic Drive, he wondered with a bit of excitement if this old house that had been built in 1930 would be haunted. Jacob loved everything about ghosts and hauntings. Marty had purchased the large two-story home in the heart of Sequoia Hills and had it renovated from top to bottom before they moved. He had known the move was going to be hard on Jacob, so he had gone out of his way to create Jacob his own space. It was basically his own apartment within the house. All of his stuff had already been moved in, and Jacob had to admit he was pretty impressed. Even though it sucked leaving everyone and everything he had ever known behind, he knew he could get used to these new digs. That evening, his dad had picked up a couple of pizzas from Stefano's for dinner, the small hole-in-the-wall pizza joint located on the University of Tennessee campus on what he would later learn was called The Strip. The pizza was amazing, and as much as he had tried to hate Knoxville, he could see the possibilities. Jacob had always been a reasonably level-headed kid, so it wasn't surprising that he made up his mind that if he had to be here, he was going to make the best of it. A couple of weeks later, after getting settled in, Jacob started school at West High. It was an easy transition back into the classroom, giving him some semblance of normal. As a junior, Jacob was allowed to drive to school, which made the new experience even better. A week before school had started, Raina and Marty had surprised Jacob with a brand spanking new midnight gray Lexus RC. As the new kid on the block, needless to say, Jacob became pretty popular over the first few weeks of school. He joined the debate club and tried out for the soccer team. He was pretty darn good at both. 
Jacob had met Isabel Ballard, whose family had lived in Knoxville since its founding on the first day of their first period French class. He had been totally enamored with her. She was easily the prettiest and smartest girl he had ever met. She had been quite taken with him as well, and soon they began spending all of their time together. They had been dating for a couple of months and decided to celebrate their anniversary by doing something new. Either they were going to go to a local haunted attraction in Philadelphia, Tennessee called Dead Man's Farm, or a scary movie to the nearby drive-in movie in Maryville. It was a cold and rainy Friday night in October, so Isabel pointed out that the comfort of a warm car would be far more conducive to cuddling. They drove to the outskirts of town where the old Parkway Drive-In was, just off old US 321. It was an unusual place that had a certain charm and nostalgia. They paid and drove in, parking their car in the back row away from the other vehicles. They cared about the movie, but they also wanted some time alone and to have a little fun. Jacob made a quick trip to the bathroom and picked up some drinks and popcorn on the way back to the car. Before the movie began, they turned on the radio and listened to some music. Jacob put his arms around Isabel and kissed her gently. She smiled and snuggled close to him. They were happy and in love. The music stopped abruptly, and the emergency alert system blared over the car speakers. The announcer's voice was grave and urgent. Attention, all citizens of the Metro Knoxville area. A dangerous criminal has escaped from the state mental hospital. He is described as a middle-aged man wearing a raincoat and a red baseball cap. He is considered extremely dangerous and unpredictable. He is armed and uses a large hook as a weapon. Do not approach him under any circumstances. If you see him or anything suspicious, call the police immediately. Isabel grasped at Jacob's arm. She looked around nervously, panicking that the killer was nearby. Jacob, we have to get out of here. She whispered. Confused, Jacob smiled and tried to calm her down. Don't worry, babe. It's just some kind of prank. Things like this don't happen here. It has to be some sort of Halloween gimmick. No, Jacob, it's not a prank. It's real. You're new around here, but everyone knows the stories about Thomas McAfee. He murdered his entire family and then went on a killing spree all over Maryville. They call him The Hook. It's a big deal. Four years ago, he escaped from Maryville Jail, and before they caught him again, he'd killed 13 people. They decided to move him to Lakeshore Mental Hospital over off Lakeshore Drive so that they could keep an eye on him until his execution. He could be anywhere. He kissed her and started the car when both of their cell phones started beeping frantically. An emergency message similar to an Amber Alert was being broadcast on both telephones. They both carefully read the message that said that four people were dead. Isabel gasped as her phone rang, announcing a call from her parents. <gasps> they were concerned about her safety and told her to come home as soon as possible. Isabel was trembling with fear. Jacob, please, let's go. Jacob sighed. <sighs> Fine, if it makes you happy, we can go. We can take the long way home, so at least I'll get to spend a little bit more time with you. He started the car and started to exit the drive-in. Jacob noticed, uncomfortably, that at least ten other cars were headed out as they left. As they drove through the dark and deserted dirt roads of East Tennessee, 
Isabel relaxed and started feeling a little better. She leaned over and put her head on Jacob's shoulder, looking at Jacob, and smiled. I'm sorry for ruining our date night, she said. Jacob smiled and gently kissed her cheek. It's okay, babe. I love you no matter what. They kissed again, this time a little more passionately, and Jacob pulled the car over to the side of the road. I think we'll be safe here for a few minutes, don't you? I doubt anybody would be on this road at night. Jacob whispered. Isabel sheepishly nodded in agreement, and soon they began to make out feverishly. As things were heating up to the point of no return, they heard a loud thud on the roof of the car. They both jumped and began pulling their clothes back on. The windows were really fogged up from their heavy breathing. They tried to clear them to see what had made the sound. There was another thud and a prolonged scratching sound of metal on metal coming from the driver's side of the car. Jacob fumbled to get the car started. He turned the lights on, and they saw an indistinct shadow of a tall, dark figure crossing in front of the car. Another long scratching sound came from the passenger side, and then whoever it was tried to get into the back car door. Isabel screamed. (coughs) Thankfully, the doors were locked. The car's engine roared to life, and Jacob sped down the dirt road towards safety. On the way home, Isabel had called her mother to let them know they were on the way and what had happened. She was still on the phone as they pulled into the driveway and her mom and dad rushed outside to meet them. They began to tell her parents about what had happened. Jacob called his parents and they quickly drove the half mile from their house to the Ballard's home. As they arrived, a police cruiser was pulling into the driveway. They rushed to their son as the police officer began to look around the car with his flashlight. He suddenly stopped and called both of the fathers over to the driver's side door. The family followed nervously behind them. As they came around the car, the group instantly froze in their tracks. A bloody hook with part of a man's arm attached was hanging from the passenger's side door handle. Isabel felt her stomach spasm as she retched into the lawn from the repulsive sight. Reality came crashing down on Jacob as he realized they had barely escaped a horrendous death. Jacob and Isabel told their story to the police, giving them every detail. But they never found McAfee's body. Time has a way of helping us forget, or at least not think about the horrible things life throws at us. Jacob and Isabel finished their senior year together and went to Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. They married in a beautiful ceremony at Bleak House, just off the University of Tennessee campus in the fall of their senior year. They moved back to Knoxville after graduation to start their lives. They were lucky enough to buy a home in a neighborhood just down the street from their parents. Ever so often, One of them would wake up screaming in the middle of the night, and they would both understand. The incident with the hook had caused far more trauma than either of them wanted to admit. They had been in counseling for years now, sometimes separate and sometimes together. As each year passed, the nightmares became less and less frequent. That year, on Christmas Day, both families gathered in the dining room of the Donovan's home 
and Jacob and Isabel announced they were going to have a baby mid-June. Everyone was overjoyed, and the mothers started planning baby showers immediately. The birth of Bentley Andrew Donovan was a joyous occasion. At eight pounds, two ounces, he had a surprising head full of dirty blonde hair, just like his mama and daddy. Jacob and Isabel soon got into a routine with their new family. Bentley was an exceptionally good baby. He didn't cry unless his diaper needed to be changed, and he slept through the night. They considered themselves very blessed, and the following year, they considered having a second child, as both of them had grown up only children, but decided they were perfectly happy with their perfect little boy. Early in October, Isabel sat in the family room, wrapped in a soft blanket, vaguely listening to some daytime talk show and flipping through a Cosmo while Bentley took his afternoon nap. It had been a cold and rainy day, and the weather didn't give any signs of improvement. This time of year was hard on both she and Jacob. This weather seemed to intensify all of the bad memories of that night. Jacob arrived home from work a little before 7 p.m., as the sun had begun to set over the top of the mountains in the distance. The trees had begun to change color and lose their leaves. They had dinner and talked about their day. Jacob cleaned up after dinner while Isabel gave Bentley a bath and tucked him in for the night. Exhausted, they had a glass of rum-barreled aged Merlot, their favorite wine with its oaky undertones, and then headed off to bed. They talked for a few more minutes and kissed each other goodnight. At around 3 a.m., Jacob woke to an unusual sound in the house. He slowly got out of the bed so he didn't wake Isabel. It was his turn to get up and take care of Bentley. He walked to the nursery and looked down at his beautiful baby boy. He stood there for a few minutes, watching Bentley breathe softly imagining what his son would be like when he was grown up with kids of his own. Turning to go back to his room, he saw a dark shadow cross the doorway, headed down towards their bedroom. Jacob didn't hesitate as he bolted from the room towards Isabel. As he entered the room, a tall man loomed over Isabel's sleeping form. A tiny sliver of moonlight glistened off of what he thought at first was a knife in the man's hand. As his eyes became more accustomed to the room's darkness, it was evident that the man was holding a shiny silver hook in his left hand. Jacob froze, knowing he couldn't make it to his wife in time to save her. In almost a whisper, Jacob quietly said, Why not me? In a gravelly voice that sounded like it hadn't spoken in ages, the dark figure turned towards him and said, Because it will destroy you. You took my arm from me. There was a loud noise and a flash of light. A blue strobing light flooded the room and people were suddenly everywhere. No, there were police everywhere. Bentley was screaming, Isabel screamed and leaped from the bed to escape as the hook barely grazed the back of her calf and dug itself deep into the mattress where she had been laying only moments ago. She ran to Jacob and buried her head into his neck, sobbing. 
There was a scuffle that sounded like it was coming from where the man was standing by the bed. The overhead lights came on, blinding Jacob. As his vision began to return, police officers were searching everywhere for the dark figure. The windows were all locked. Jacob had been standing in the only way in or out of the bedroom. The police were confused. They had seen the man. They had tackled him to the ground, but somehow he was gone, just disappeared. Isabel and Jacob's first instinct were to go to Bentley. As they approached the door, it dawned on Jacob that Bentley wasn't crying. Panicked, he pushed past Isabel, turned on the lights. They both took a deep sigh of relief when they saw Bentley lying in his crib, sleeping. They hurried to his crib, but stopped in horror when they saw the bloody hook lying beside their son. Ravensvale Coven is a production of Small Raven Media. Today's story was written and narrated by Ed Bolden Greer. The voice of Isabel was performed by Kristen Newby. The voice of Jacob and the Hook was performed by Jared Bolden Greer. The voice of the radio announcer was performed by Nick Devan. Audio engineering and sound design by Nick Devan at Nicky D Sound. Copyrighted 2023 by Small Raven Media. All rights reserved. <laughs> <laughs>